Act Three of Manfred. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Manfred by Lord Byron. Act Three. Scene One. A hall in the castle of Manfred. Manfred and Hermann. What is the hour? It wants but one till sunset, and promises a lovely twilight. Say, are all things so disposed of in the tower as I directed? All, my lord, are ready. Here is the key and casket. It is well. Thou mayest retire. Exit, Herman. There is a calm upon me. Inexplicable stillness, which till now did not belong to what I knew of life. If that I did not know philosophy, to be of all our vanities the motliest, the merest word that ever fooled the ear from out the schoolman's jargon, I should deem the golden secret, the sort Calon, found and seated in my soul. It will not last, but it is well to have known it though but once. It hath enlarged my thoughts with a new sense, and I within my tablets will note down that there is such feeling. Who is there? Re-enter Herman. My lord, the abbot of St. Maurice craves to greet your presence. Enter the abbot of St. Maurice. Peace be with Count Manfred. Thanks, holy father. Welcome to these walls, thou presence honours them, and blessed those who dwell within them. Would it were so, Count, but I would fain confer with thee alone. Herman, retire. What would my reverend guest? Thus, without prelude, age and zeal, my office, and good intent must plead my privilege. Our near, though not acquainted, neighbourhood may also be my herald. Rumours strange and of unholy nature are abroad, and busy with thy name, a noble name for centuries. May he who bears it now transmit it unimpaired. Proceed. I listen. Tis said thou holdest converse with the things which are forbidden to the search of man that with the dwellers of the dark abodes the many evil and unheavenly spirits which walk the valley of the shade of death thou communest i know that with mankind thy fellows in creation thou dost rarely exchange thy thoughts and that thy solitude is as an anchorite's were it but holy and what are they who do avouch such things my pious brethren the scared peasantry even thy own vassals, who do look on thee with most unquiet eyes. Thy life's in peril. Take it. I come to save and not destroy. I would not pry into thy secret soul. But if these things be sooth, there still is time for penitence and pity. Reconcile thee with the true church, and through the church to heaven. I hear thee. This is my reply. Whate'er I may have been, or am, doth rest between heaven and myself. I shall not choose a mortal to be my mediator, 
have i sinned against your ordinances prove and punish my son i did not speak of punishment but penitence and pardon with thyself the choice of such remains and for the last our institutions and our strong belief have given me power to smooth the path from sin to higher hope and better thoughts the first i leave to heaven vengeance is mine alone so saith the lord and with all humbleness his servant echoes back the awful word old man there is no power in holy men nor charm in prayer nor purifying form of penitence nor outward look nor fast nor agony nor greater than all these the innate tortures of that deep despair which is remorse without the fear of hell but all in all sufficient to itself would make a hell of heaven can exorcise from out the unbounded spirit the quick sense of its own sins wrongs sufferance and revenge upon itself there is no future pang can deal that justice on the self condemned he deals on his own soul all this is well for this will pass away and be succeeded by an auspicious hope which shall look up with calm assurance to that blessed place which all who seek may win whatever be their earthly errors so they be atoned and the commencement of atonement is the sense of its necessity say on and all our church can teach thee shall be taught and all we can absolve thee shall be pardoned when rome's sixth emperor was near his last the victim of a self-inflicted wound to shun the torments of a public death from senates once his slaves a certain soldier with show of loyal pity would have staunched the gushing throat with his officious robe the dying roman thrust him back and said some empire still in his expiring glance it is too late is this fidelity and what of this i answer with the roman it is too late it never can be so to reconcile thyself with thy own soul and thy own soul with heaven hast thou no hope tis strange even those who do despair above yet shape themselves some fantasy on earth to which frail twig they cling like drowning men ay father i have had those early visions and noble aspirations in my youth to make my own the mind of other men the enlightener of nations and to rise i knew not whither it might be to fall but fall even as the mountain cataract which having leapt from its most dazzling height even in the foaming strength of its abyss which casts up misty columns that become clouds raining from the reascendant skies lies low but mighty still but this is past my thoughts mistook themselves and wherefore so i could not tame my nature down 
for he must serve who fain would sway and soothe and sue and watch all time and pry into all place and be a living lie who would become a mighty thing amongst the mean and such the mass are i disdain to mingle with a herd though it be leader and of wolves the lion is alone and so am i and why not live and act with other men because my nature was averse from life and yet not cruel for i would not make but find a desolation like the wind the red-hot breath of the most lone simoom which dwells but in the desert and sweeps o'er the barren sands which bear no shrub to blast and revels o'er the wild and arid waves and seeketh not so that it is not sought but being met is deadly such hath been the course of my existence but there came things in my path which are no more alas i gin to fear thou art past all aid from me and from my calling yet so young i still would look on me there is an order of mortals on the earth which do become old in their youth and die ere middle age without the violence of warlike death some perishing of pleasure some of study some worn with toil some of mere weariness some of disease and some insanity and some of withered or of broken hearts for this last is a malady which slays more than are numbered in the lists of fate taking all shapes and bearing many names look upon me for even of all these things have i partaken and of all these things one were enough then wonder not that i am what i am but that i ever was or have been that i am still on earth yet hear me still old man i do respect thine order and revere thy years i deem thy purpose pious but it is in vain think me not churlish i would spare thyself far more than me in shunning at this time all further colloquy and so farewell exit manfred this should have been a noble creature he hath all the energy which would have made a goodly frame of glorious elements had they been wisely mingled as it is it is an awful chaos light and darkness and mind and dust and passions and pure thoughts mixed and contending without end or order all dormant or destructive he will perish and yet he must not i will try once more for such are worth redemption and my duty is to dare all things for a righteous end i'll follow him but cautiously though surely exit abbot scene two another chamber manfred and herman my lord 
You bade me wait on you at sunset. He sinks behind the mountain. Doth he so? I will look on him. Manfred advances to the window of the hall. Glorious orb, the idol of early nature, and the vigorous race of undiseased mankind, the giant sons of the embrace of angels, with a sex more beautiful than they, which did draw down the erring spirits who can ne'er return. Most glorious orb, that wert a worship, ere the mystery of thy making was revealed, thou earliest minister of the Almighty, which gladdened on their mountain tops the hearts of their Chaldean shepherds, till they poured themselves in orisons. Thou material God, and representative of the unknown, who chose thee for his shadow, thou chief star, centre of many stars, which makest our earth endurable, and temperest the hues and hearts of all who walk within thy rays. Sire of the seasons, monarch of the climes, and those who dwell within them, for near or far our inborn spirits have a tint of thee, even as our outward aspects. Thou dost rise and shine and set in glory. Fare thee well, I ne'er shall see thee more. As my first glance of love and wonder was for thee, then take my latest look. Thou wilt not beam on one to whom the gifts of life and warmth have been of a more fatal nature. He is gone. I follow. Exit Manfred. Scene three. The mountains. The castle of Manfred at some distance. A terrace before a tower. Time, twilight. Herman, Manuel, and other dependents of Manfred. Tis strange enough. Night after night for years he hath pursued long vigils in this tower, without a witness. I have been within it, so have we all been oft-times. But from it, or its contents, it were impossible to draw conclusions absolute of aught his studies tend to. To be sure, there is one chamber where none enter. I would give the fee of what I have become these three years to pour upon its mysteries. T'were dangerous. Content thyself with what thou knowest already. Ah, Manuel, thou art elderly and wise, and couldst say much. Thou hast dwelt within the castle. How many years is it? Ere Count Manfred's birth I served his father, whom he naught resembles. There be more sons in like predicament, but wherein do they differ? I speak not of features or of form, but mind and habits. Count Sigismund was proud, but gay and free, a warrior and a reveller. He dwelt not with books and solitude, nor made the night a gloomy vigil, but a festal time, merrier than day. He did not walk the rocks and forests like a wolf. 
nor turn aside from men and their delights beshrew the hour but those were jocund times i would that such would visit the old walls again they look as if they had forgotten them these walls must change their chieftain first oh i have seen some strange things in them hermann come be friendly relate me some to while away our watch i've heard thee darkly speak of an event which happened hereabout by this same tower that was a night indeed i do remember twas twilight as it may be now and such another evening yon red cloud which rests on eiger's pinnacle so rested then so like that it might be the same the wind was faint and gusty and the mountain snows began to glitter with the climbing moon count manfred was as now within his tower how occupied we knew not but with him the sole companion of his wanderings and watchings her whom of all earthly things that lived the only thing he seemed to love as he indeed by blood was bound to do the lady astarte his hush who comes here enter the abbot where is your master yonder in the tower i must speak with him tis impossible he is most private and must not be thus intruded on upon myself i take the forfeit of my fault if fault there be but i must see him thou hast seen him once this eve already herman i command thee knock and apprise the count of my approach we dare not then it seems i must be herald of my own purpose reverend father stop i pray you pause why so but step this way and i will tell you further scene four interior of the tower manfred alone the stars are forth the moon above the tops of the snow-shining mountains beautiful i linger yet with nature for the night hath been to me a more familiar face than that of man and in a starry shade of dim and solitary loveliness i learned the language of another world do remember me that in my youth when i was wandering upon such a night i stood within the colosseum's walls midst the chief relics of almighty rome the trees which grew along the broken arches waved dark in the blue midnight and the stars shone through the rents of ruin from afar the watchdog bayed beyond the tiber and more near from out the caesar's palace came the owl's long cry and interruptedly of distant sentinels the fitful song began and died on the gentle wind some cypresses beyond the time-worn breach appeared to skirt the horizon yet they stood within a bowshot where the caesars dwelt and dwell the tuneless birds of night amidst a grove 
which springs through levelled battlements and twined its roots with the imperial hearths ivy usurped the laurel's place of growth but the gladiator's bloody circus stands a noble wreck in ruinous perfection while caesar's chambers and the augustan halls grovel on earth in indistinct decay and thou didst shine thou rolling moon upon all this and cast a wide and tender light which softened down the hoar austerity of rugged desolation and filled up as twere anew the gaps of centuries leaving that beautiful which still was so and making that which was not till the place became religion and the heart ran o'er with silent worship of the great of old the dead but sceptred sovereigns who still rule our spirits from their urns twas such a night tis strange that i recall it at this time but i have found our thoughts take wildest flight even at the moment when they should array themselves in pensive order enter the abbot my good lord i crave a second grace for this approach but yet let not my humble zeal offend by its abruptness all it hath of ill recoils on me its good in the effect may light upon your head could i say heart could i touch that with words or prayers i should recall a noble spirit which hath wandered but is not yet all lost thou knowest me not my days are numbered and my deeds recorded retire or twill be dangerous away thou dost not mean to menace me not i i simply tell thee peril is at hand and would preserve thee what dost thou mean look there what dost thou see nothing look there i say and steadfastly now tell me what thou seest that which should shake me but i fear it not i see a dusk an awful figure rise like an infernal god from out the earth his face wrapped in a mantle and his form robed as with angry clouds he stands between thyself and me but i do fear him not thou hast no cause he shall not harm thee but his sight may shock thine old limbs into palsy i say to thee retire and i reply never till i have battled with this fiend what doth he hear why i what doth he hear i do not send for him he is unbidden alas lost mortal what with guests like these hast thou to do i tremble for thy sake why doth he gaze on thee and thou on him ah he unveils his aspect on his brow the thunder scars are graven from his eye glares forth the immortality of hell avaunt pronounce what is thy mission come what art thou unknown being answer speak the genius of this mortal come 
Tis time. I am prepared for all things, but deny the power which summons me. Who sent thee here? Thou'st no none. Come, come. I have commanded things of an essence greater far than thine, and striven with thy masters. Get thee hence. Mortal, thine hour is come. Away, I say. <laughs> I know. I knew, and know my hour is come, but not to render up my soul to such as thee. Away, I'll die as I have lived, alone. Then I must summon up my brethren. Rise. Other spirits rise. Avaunt, ye evil ones, avaunt, I say. Ye have no power where piety hath power, and I do charge ye in the name. Old man, we know ourselves, our mission and thine order. Waste not thy holy words on idle uses. It were in vain. This man is forfeited. Once more I summon him. Away, away. I do defy thee. Though I feel my soul is ebbing from me, yet I do defy ye. Nor will I hence, while I have earthly breath to breathe, my scorn on ye, earthly strength to wrestle, though with spirits. What ye take shall be taken limb by limb. Reluctant mortal. Is this the Magian who would so pervade the world invisible and make himself almost our equal? Can it be that thou art thus in love with life, the very life which made thee wretched? Thou false fiend, thou liest. My life is in his last hour. That I know. Nor would redeem a moment of that hour I do not combat against death, but thee and thy surrounding angels. My past power was purchased by no compact with thy crew, but by superior science, penance, <laughs> daring, and length of watching, strength of mind, and skill in knowledge of our fathers. When the earth saw men and spirits walking side by side, and gave ye no supremacy, I stand upon my strength. I do defy, deny, spurn ye back, and scorn ye. But thy many crimes have made thee. What are they to such as thee? Must crimes be punished but by other crimes and greater criminals? Back to thy hell! Thou hast no power upon me, that I feel. Thou never shalt possess me, that I know. What I have done is done. I bear within a torture which could nothing gain from thine. The mind which is immortal makes itself requital for its good or evil thoughts. 
is its own origin of ill and end and its own place and time its innate sense when stripped of this mortality derives no colour from the fleeting things without but is absorbed in sufferance or in joy born from the knowledge of its own desert thou didst not tempt me and thou couldst not tempt me i have not been thy dupe nor am i thy prey but was my own destroyer and will be my own hereafter back ye baffled fiends the hand of death is on me but not yours the demons disappear alas how pale thou art thy lips are white and thy breast heaves and in thy gasping throat the accents rattle give thy prayers to heaven pray albeit but in thought but die not thus tis over my dull eyes can fix thee not but all things swim around me and the earth heaves as it were beneath me fare thee well give me thy hand cold cold even to the heart but yet one prayer alas how fares it with thee old man tis not so difficult to die manfred expires he's gone his soul hath ta'en his earthless flight whither i dread to think but he is gone end of act three end of manfred by lord byron